Hello all and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamari, and today I'm joined by... Oh, your neural nutritionist, Sam. Yeah, I totally just threw you into that pile. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. So for today, we're actually doing a bit of a throwback, redux, remix. I don't know what to have it. Re- recap? Recap? Reprise. Let's go with reprise huh. of our earlier episode on Universal Translators from, uh, I believe that was our episode 11 from definitely a few months ago at this point. Yeah, the you mean the episode that I was on and we kind of killed it and I don't know why you're like revisiting it. So what happened since then was I was really curious to learn more about not just like the Universal Translator in terms of Star Trek, but kind of how different people approach the idea of the Universal Translator. And part of that was posting to Reddit. And, <laughs> and when you, when you stare, when you yell into the void, sometimes the void yells back in the form of three Reddit users who are more than nice enough to allow me to include their content or their predictions of how the universal translator works so that we could kind of go over and discuss them. So real fast, I'm just going to give you a quick recap of the episode. The first episode, we wanted to explore how in Star Trek, the universal translator is weird because it's purely auditory, but you have different creatures from different species and like different planets altogether who are looking at the same monitors and seem to be able to make sense of the same text, even though you need a universal translator to translate the dialogue. Yeah. I kind of put that out there and there was uh, there was some pretty great feedback. So um, the first one comes from um, Reddit user Kurai, that's C-U-R-E-A. Yes, you just got doxxed. Um, so their full quote was, some wild guesses, they use text-to-speech, which translates it, but they've, um, they haven't looked too closely at any consoles, but they think that for the most part they might use icons. They specifically said, also muscle memory. I could put my old Nokia to Chinese and still be able to find my way back to put it back on a language I did understand. People on Starships probably, God I hope, go through extensive training. They're most likely <laughs> familiar with the panels. <laughs> and I think that's actually a fair criticism is that if I was going to build a fancy spaceship, it probably isn't super helpful if I have to be able to read every single button. If there's not like some sort of symbol that I can just look at real fast to know what I'm about to hit. I can buy that because when we watch a lot of uh star trek a lot of the times on their consoles and stuff it is just a bunch of buttons like there isn't really any noticeable words or languages or you say that but next gen there are definitely a bunch of times there are just consoles with english text on them well i okay i've seen times of i think monitors with text on them in different outputs like if they're running a report or something but I'm, i'm thinking more of like um, was it the bit, is it helm control where they like yeah. actually fly the spaceship yeah, helm control. and like the pilots? I feel like, although we don't get a great look at them, I feel like most of that is just buttons. Oh like, yeah. It's nothing. like buttons. And then in the JJ Abrams verse, uh, was it Saru has like the fancy lever and some sort of space e-brake. Oh yeah. So when, <laughs> I love how, I love how in Star Trek Beyond, my all-time favorite scene is just them like surfing a literal explosion wave. <laughs> yes. Like J.J. Abrams was looking at that was like, this is going to be the best thing in this history of cinema. <laughs> Whatever I came before, this is dumb. All right. So that was Kurai. 
We also have Gierney01. That was G-Y-A-E-R-N-Y-01. Wait, before we move on, should we like vote on it? Should we like determine yes. are the they like... The two of us will vote if the symbology makes sense. I put a vote for symbology totally makes sense. I, I agree. I think... But I don't think it explains it entirely. That's fair. Like, I bet you their Kindles aren't all symbology. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on. Gierney01. So to quote Gierney's post, my, ima- my imagination has it using directional photons that only your eyes can see. Two or more people with eyes on the display would get personalized photon streams. Even if you were not looking at the display, if the screen can see your eyes, you'll get a stream of photons your way. Being in Starfleet, the system knows your language of choice. If you're not in the system, it would defer to the ship default language setting. I actually love this because there is a real-world technology being developed that was actually part of how HoloLenses are supposed to work, which has to do with um, retina displays. So basically the way it's supposed to work is, if you think of it, a TV monitor or any sort of monitor is just a box in the world where information is trying to get into your eye. Mm Mm-hmm. This technology, this very real technology, is saying, what if we just had a projector that just shot the exact thing into your eyeball? Okay. So imagine, like, imagine this. Imagine a projector. You know how a projector works, right? A surprisingly small light source can produce a surprisingly large image. But along the distance of that image, there's a moment where that image is about the size and width of your retina. Yeah. So while it might be hard to get to focus... There's no way to there's no reason to say that that couldn't happen that it couldn't shoot the image directly onto your retina such that you would read it however you did read it like a normal person on a normal monitor. But okay, so I'm still confused how is it how would it how would it be able to like basically know where to shoot stuff and it would have why would you have very pointed shooting of things? Like I'm I'm imagining I don't know, of what I understand, mostly how vision works, it's just like a cluster of like, it just constant like waves going back and forth and things that your eyes are reading and like to have it be that focused and to have to pinpoint a person. Yeah, so Gierney, first of all, mad props. I love this idea. Unfortunately, based on what we've seen in Star Trek, I think this is where the physics and science kind of break down because in order for this to work, like in the HoloLens model and stuff, there's like a projector or quote-unquote, I guess, monitor that's very close to your eyeball because it's Uh, for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't want to have a monitor across the room shooting laser beams all across the room at different people. That's probably not ideal. So I think where this kind of breaks down is in order for this to work logically, you would need some sort of system that could target your retina perfectly through your eyeball and then shoot exactly that information However, it's supposed to get to you. And while I think that's totally awesome, I don't think Starfleet can afford that kind of technology for, like, whatever. Yeah, that 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 seems difficult to do. So are we <laughs> voting that... Uh, I'm going to put a vote in the extremely awesome, but unfortunately probably not how it goes down if Starfleet were real. I'm, I'm putting a vote in no category. Sorry. Oof. So that's one for extremely cool, but not quite. And one vote for no. So I'm a little harsher. I'm going to have to be not a maybe. Bad. And the last one comes from an anonymous user who was actually very chill and wanted to share his comment, but unfortunately did not want to get 
Reddit doxed. So that's fair. This is fair, fair idea. <laughs> yes. Um, theirs was, I've always assumed the UT works like a babble fish, UT being universe's translator. It doesn't just translate for you. It sends you a signal that somehow alters your perception. If it didn't do this, then you wouldn't have to listen for the translation over the original language, and you would see the speaker's mouth making words in the original language. The way it is depicted on screen, they see the speaker's mouth using the translated language and don't have the echo effect of the translation laid over the original language. For this to make sense, the universal translator has to alter perception. If we take it for granted that it alters perception, then it isn't a big step to assume it can use the ability to replace the original text with translated text in your own language. So I think this user is actually calling out the Doctor Who method or method for how the TARDIS translates language because mm-hmm. I think in that episode we even call it out like at the end of the day language is just a mechanism by which I try to push ideas out of my brain through my mouth into your ears into your brain if we can have a more direct way of getting ideas from my brain to your brain then we don't actually really need language we just need to be able to share these ideas and so what this user is calling out is if I have some sort of machine that can automatically translate your words in my brain into words I can understand, why couldn't you do the same thing for symbols on a monitor? I, oh, see, uh, I kind of like this. That also, now I'm, it just, I'm scared now. I'm scared of, of the universal translator of now. having the universal t- translator shoot laser beams into your brain? Of it, like, it feels it feels so much more invasive now, but that actually makes a lot of sense. See, I... So one thing I want to point out is, like, I guess it would be annoying to hear a bunch of different versions of the same language speaking over each other to get to you. Yeah. But I think the way they've always explained the universal translator in next gen moving forward is that the combat you wear is itself now a built-in universal translator. So before the, mm-hmm. the combat was just for communications and they always had like a special machine for the universal translation in discovery and OTS, the original series. But here it sounds like the way the combat is supposed to work is it's hearing what someone else is saying. And then it's just turning that into what you would understand locally. So obviously in the show, they're not going to make someone actually speak Klingon and then like dub over them (laughs) speaking English because that would probably be a lot of effort. Although I would respect the heck out of them for it. So I think what's happening here is it's actually not hard for you to pick up on one specific um, language. So, uh, or one specific, I guess, dialect. Um, In psychology, there's this thing called the cocktail party effect, which has to do with, if you're at a cocktail party and everyone's talking about whatever, you kind of just drown it out because none of it's about you or pertinent to you. But as soon as someone says your name at the cocktail party, even if they didn't mean your name specifically, as soon as someone says Cameron, I would probably perk up Mm -hmm. and pay attention to whoever's talking to me or talking about Cameron because my brain is suddenly listening for this like thing to pull it in. The same is actually kind of true for languages because you can have, you can be in a room where like three people are speaking Chinese, two people speak Russian, someone else speaking Farsi and 
as soon as someone starts speaking English, my brain will start to perk up and be like, oh, that guy speaks English. I can listen to what he's saying. Yeah, I I actually experienced, it's funny, I experienced that when I was in Germany recently, because when I was in Germany, like most of the time people would be speaking German and I'm just like, oh, I don't understand German at all, whatever. Look at me, I'm Sam, I'm a fancy world traveler. Oh, what? just let me get to the point of my story. <laughs> but... <laughs> but like whenever someone would happen to speak any English, I could be able to like perk up and I would hear it and I'd understand it. And I'd go, and my, I would go, Ooh, someone else speaking English. That's fun. Or like, or it's, and especially with accents. Like if anyone had an American accent, I'm like, Oh, accent. Oh, I know that. Like weird. Yeah. And so I think as much as I like this user's description of just switching to TARDIS physics from Dr. Who, I don't actually think it's that hard to believe that Universal Translator could spit out multiple different versions of a language. And while that would probably be incredibly annoying, you wouldn't have a hard time picking up just the language that mattered to you. Well, yeah, I think that's true. But I also like a point that he made. Or he, wow, I just assumed a gender. All right. I, I think that's true. But I also like a point that they make in that... What when we're watching the show, we don't see people mouthing in different languages. We see their mouths moving in the same language. And they kind of reference that there may be a line saying like, oh, most other people see it the same way. Like their mouths, that when they see are looking at someone, their, their mouths are moving like in English or like in Chinese or like in Klingon or like they're not... <laughs> Like, they're not doing the, like, random mouth movements like you see in, like, bad dubs, like, bad English overdubs of Chinese movies, like, or, or even the opposite, bad Chinese dubs over English movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that, I, actually, that's totally fair. So, I guess for this one, we're actually going to say we're on the fence? On the fence. I think All it's... Right. This one gets our on the fence seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> seal of being on the fence. It's just us on a fence. Uh, there is one thing I wanted to point out before, though, because um, as Reddit user Kurai pointed out with the symbology kind of approach, this there's actually a real world language that is purely symbols that was developed for the purposes of helping people who are mute or people who have learning disabilities. The man's name is Charles Bliss, and he invented... Uh, well, it's basically this language made up of dozens and dozens of symbols. Uh, Charles Bliss originally believed that kind of all the great wars and great hardships of humanity were spawned because human beings would use language to have double meaning and all sorts of different connotations that in turn led to a miscommunication that in one case led to certain not very friendly people taking over Germany. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. This this person thinks that every war started due to miscommunication and nothing else? No, it's kind of this idea that language is very flexible and it keeps evolving. And over time, people can use language to, in a way, trick people into doing things that are horrible by kind of getting them in, riled up based on the way they use language. And we've seen this kind of thing, like focus groups. Focus groups are designed to help figure out what kind of words best fit a desired goal for some sort of promotion. Like, why don't people like the term climate change 
in place of global warming. It's because global warming has been turned into this hush-hush, you should never say this word if you're in the public eye because you're going to get completely ridiculed for it. When in reality, both of them are trying to describe a very similar phenomenon. So Charles Bliss's whole goal was to create a language that was purely symbolic, thinking that it would lead to this utopia. And we'll leave a link for you from, um, there's actually a Radiolab episode talking about Charles Bliss's, Charles Bliss's incredible journey creating this language. But I, I think this goes back to Kurai's earlier comment about symbology, is that maybe in the future we do decide that symbols are a better way of writing. There's short form, they're simple, and they're a language that make more sense than having to deal with letters and syntax and all the other writing that goes on in any one distinct language. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense on a starship and with all, like, if you've ever seen Star Trek, you'd see there's so many buttons and so many different knobs and things that they have. And I think it makes sense that it would be a lot easier to have some kind of symbol there or even just them knowing, no, this is what this does without it actually being labeled with a specific language. Cause it that would be very messy. <laughs> yeah. And so I think my point is I would like to lend more credit to Kurai's very interesting point because we have that now. And I, although it never really caught on, I would not be surprised if it did catch on in the future. And what I wanted to say was, um, so Shirley McNaughton was actually uh, in charge of a, I, I don't remember, but it was basically a school for, um, they were not mentally challenged children, but they were children who had uh, difficulty communicating. And she yeah. actually came across um, Charles Bliss's language and started using it to teach the children how to communicate by creating basically these cards. And ironically, in the process of using it, she realized she could modify the symbols just a little bit to mean even more words. And when Charles Bliss found out about this, he got very upset and basically sued the school. Whoa! I, I'm going to link this Radiolab episode because it's amazing. But I think this really plays into our Star Trek idea that in the future... We could move towards symbols, and we could still totally mess it up. <laughs> anyway, my name is Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and I've been your personal brand trainer. If you've enjoyed the show, we really hope you'll reach out to us and give us your feedback on how you think universal translators really work at our email, smallstuffshow at gmail.com, or you can reach out on any of our social medias with at smallstuffshow. And uh, Sam, do you have anything you want to plug or say? Um, yes, you can follow me on Instagram at lil.baby.banshee specifically you can follow my cat on instagram it's the best thing in the world <laughs> and if you've been enjoying the show really hope you'll like share subscribe find us on itunes recommend us to a friend and if you really feel like contributing go check us out on our patreon and uh maybe you can find a few little goodies over there anyway i've been cameron booz Jamari reminding you from movies to media to the world around us it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff <laughs>